Good evening, everyone. Welcome to season two, episode 12 of the Jet Blast podcast. So Andy Lee and I get to hang out tonight and we're going to talk all things recruiting, what you should know, what you shouldn't do, and who you should talk to. So Andy, what's happening in Michigan before we get to our guest? Uh, not much. I am delighted to be here as, as always. Uh, it's I can cold. feel the sincerity. Yeah. You should, yeah. I'm, I'm serious. I look forward to it. I, oh, okay. I, was, in the, I was in the Caribbean for 10 days. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never I just mind. got back on Friday. <laughs> so and that's why we cover. haven't had a show. Because... That's right. No. It was in the Caribbean. No, no. I said that I could set up my hotspot. It was just going to be a little bit windy. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm excited. I, uh, I'm trying there were to other things you. you said too. <laughs> <laughs> this is a PG to, show, though. I'm trying to see Lee over her new microphone that she has here. I feel extremely intimidated. I am fancy. It is very fancy, but yeah, that's that's it. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what we're going to learn tonight, as always. And uh, yeah, Lee, what's going on with you? Well, I got a big fancy new microphone. So I mean, <laughs> if somebody sees a picture Huge. of it, you can't miss it. If you well, Huge. there was a picture of me with David Burke on my LinkedIn with my, oh, that's you know, right. I had my, my, my green screen where it looked like I was about to be like going to like a black hole or something. That was pretty cool. I think I might use, actually use that instead of worrying about covering the whole background. But anyway, I don't know. They told me I needed to get fancy in the day job. And so they sent, yeah, I got a big list of stuff, but I'm getting used to it, except that it's like <laughs> right in my face and kind of weird. But anyway, but yeah, it's a little awkward. It takes some time. But I heard it sound, they said it sounded better. So we'll go with that. It does. And my voice good. was a little lower, which, you know, when you're around a whole bunch of men, first of all, they can't hear my Minnie Mouse voice. And then, you know, they've got damaged ears. They can't hear that either. So anything that helps with that, you know, whatever. So, so as, as uh, Rip says in, uh, in Yellowstone, right, you better put a little less bass in your voice when you speak to me. Right? <laughs> I don't know if I have bass in my voice. <laughs> I don't think if that's even possible, but yeah, no, Andy was all gallivanting around the Caribbean. We had hailstorms and tornadoes and whatnot here in North Texas. But, I was you working know. down there. Yeah, well, sure, Andy. Sure. Did you find us a new shop? Uh, I did. I met with a couple guys, a helicopter guy that's buying a couple for sightseeing. So there's, so there's it's a work trip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to do it, man. Well, you. you know, you. if you're looking for a job, then that's actually a great segue if Andy was looking for a job into our guest today, because um, we have with us Sarah, and I'm going to say her name, and I, she just told me how to say it correctly. Polari. 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 I mean, everybody got it, Lee, except you. I, I know. And as soon as, you know, I was good, Nathan, until you started making fun of me, and I knew I was going to screw it all up. But we have Sarah. Sarah Par- Polari. Polari. <laughs> And I was actually going to spell it because if you're looking for her on LinkedIn, it, the R, the first R is silent, P-A-R-L-A-R-I. But very excited to have Sarah. If you don't follow her, if you're not connected with her on LinkedIn, she's kind of like a lot of our theme with transparency, you know, putting it out there, being your authentic self. I think Sarah is an exceptional example of that. And so okay. we were like, well, and she's a um, talent aviation HR recruiting um, person for the aviation industry. And she also has the unique um, position of trying to bring people to big sky country. So, you know, she has, mm -hmm. so not only do we talk about like shortages as a whole, she also has a unique area that she has to um, address. So there's so many things to talk about with Sarah and Sarah, thank you so much. We're so excited to have you on today and welcome. And I'm sorry, I said your name wrong, but I'm blaming Nathan. <laughs> No, that's okay. Thank you for having me. It's uh, consistently butchered. It's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so Sarah, so tell us a little bit about what you've got going on. I know that you've gotten to do a lot of fun things with trying to uh, um, bring talent, particularly in the maintenance side of the house, right? And into aviation. Um, so tell us a little bit about that, what you got, what got you started and uh, kind of what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, really thankful to be on here and excited to get this information out to the community. So I've been recruiting for about 10 years, coming on 10 years now. Um, I actually got into aviation by happenstance. It wasn't even supposed to happen at the recruiting house that put me in aviation. Um, and I remember 
getting added into that and being taught about, you know, wide body aircraft versus general aviation, commercial, right all these different things. Um, you have to have a license to work on these things. I had just been used to just seeing them in the sky. So um, that was interesting. Um, got started in that about three, four years ago. And honestly, from um, the first, I don't want to say the first time I picked up the phone to talk to an a &P because <laughs> I wasn't met very gracefully with the first time. <laughs> but once I learned my stuff a little bit and kind of got some skin in the game, um, I became really passionate for the industry um, and have done a flex, a bunch of different roles in the HR and talent acquisition space of aviation. And now I focus primarily on partnering with companies to help them um, as they're growing, kind of going from startup mode into coming more of like a medium-sized company and mm -hmm. helping them build out their HR and talent acquisition departments and help them build out their hiring initiatives in this time in our industry where it has become very difficult to hire and retain um, talent and help them kind of understand some ways that they can um, do that successfully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we know quite a few of those like small, small companies, you know, making that, making that jump to that next level. And then, you know, the HR, that's very daunting. I mean, when you start looking at hiring, getting it right, because when you get it wrong, it's, oh my gosh, it is not good when you get it wrong. And yeah. what are you going to do? So, you know, having somebody like you on your side where you can not only help with the actual hiring, but with the setup and the entire I mean, that's great. And so you do that as kind of like an, as an individual coming in and helping kind of in a consultant contract contract capacity? Yes, that's correct. So I've worked as a recruiter, both um, as a third party option and internally for companies. Um, I have also sold recruiting services to aviation companies. Um, and then I have also contracted with companies where I consult with them, help them kind of understand this is their culture. This is the type of technicians mm -hmm. that they that would fit well. How do we interview for them? Directors of maintenance, they need um, education and understanding and HR are individuals that maybe come from outside the industry of how can they build that immediate rapport with technicians to help them proposition their company to where a technician would want to come and work for them. Mm, nice. Wow. You know, you use the word culture and I'm just like, my brain's like going, you know, so many different directions and identifying that culture and finding the fit because every place is different. I mean, yeah, right on based on the people, based on your passengers, your aircraft. I mean, there's so many variables that come in, you know, in Andy's flight department with the Myers, you know, it has a very different culture when he brings his grandpa in to come do the annual than it does in Nathan's <laughs> world. So, you know, it's all about yeah. the culture and finding that fit. Um, but so how do you, how do you, what are some of the steps to kind of identify, how do you talk to somebody? Like if you were talking to Nathan and wanted to figure out the culture, you know, how do you, how do you start that conversation? Absolutely. Nathan and I actually have talked before. We oh, have. okay. We yes, we have. Yeah. And so um, help it, how I look at it in this, you know, it's different. Everyone does it differently. But what from what I found coming from the recruiter role of the boots on the ground, talking to the technicians, um, it really starts there in understanding, um, you know, there's all sorts of things like companies can offer um, whatever pay they offer, benefits, um, you know, just the area, all of that. But what it really comes down to is like you were saying, Lee, is the culture and who is going to how can we bring people in to enhance the culture? So right. when I'm going into a company to work with them to help understand maybe where their hiring initiatives lie is first of all, I want to, you know, what makes their business turn is the aircraft most likely. Sometimes I find that companies are honing in a little bit too hard on their specific aircraft mm. versus maybe like, for example, yeah. like I have a lot of people that say, you know, King Air, we're only looking at King Air, nothing yeah. else. When in reality, they can look for PT6 or <laughs> something relevant sure. to that and maybe bring in a really great 
personality or a great attitude or someone who right. has had experience in all sorts of facets of the industry that could bring in something else to their company. Maybe they could bring in like an IA or something like that. Yeah. And so, yeah, Andy messed with the screen and completely threw me off. Yeah. It was like, is that a high five or a hand I raise? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but he completely threw me off and I didn't know what to do. He raised I, uh, his hand. I clicked, it's weird. Uh, I clicked the raise my hand so I can ask a question. This is now this is serious because I have to deal with this too. I'm just curious. Do you ever run into um in corporate aviation that that people are just stuck in their ways and it's pretty uh pretty <laughs> old school when it comes to uh, you ever run into it that is the norm you know i said i told myself i was gonna come on here that i was not gonna be controversial at all andy so thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes uh i have definitely in my time of selling services recruiting services i have had a lot of initial conversations with companies um and they kind of group in the hiring process into kind of this um dull, lackluster, lifeless um, event, but it's so important. And the more life that you breathe into that, the bigger your company is going to become, the happier employers are, employees are going to be, the longer the retainment will be. And so, yes, I do see that, but there are ways through building trust with them um, and getting, you know, earning their trust to get that opportunity and showing them through results of how that can be different. And mm. that kind of, you know, coming from that third party background, there can be stigma there because most companies do have to go that route of not having that internal process set up. And they're kind of at the mercy of metrics is mm. what I like to say. And mercy so, of metrics. I'm writing that down. Yes. And so they kind of get in that um, madness of, you know, believing that hiring is one specific way and this is how we've always done it whereas if you kind of dial it back a little bit and look at you know what is our mission and vision where are we going what do we want to see like our employees doing how do we want people to feel when they come to work every day and having sure. you know a third party person kind of help them understand well this is how these are the steps we take to get there yeah yeah well, I mean yeah yeah and I, I think something you said, Sarah, that's, that's really important that I've learned over the years, too, is, and Lee was talking about this a little bit, too. Um, I, you know, I think your point of folks getting myopic on an airplane type, right, or um, something like that, I think it's just, I, I think you're really missing good opportunities when you do that, right? I mean, some fresh ideas, a different perspective, a different way of looking at it. I mean, I mean look, here's the hard reality. So, um, it's Nathan at thoroughbredaviation.com. Um, so I just want to make sure that's clear. Um, or you can DM me on LinkedIn. But the reality is we can teach anybody to fix them or fly them. That's the absolute God's honest truth. We really can. Um, it, yes, it takes um, a certain level of know-how, a certain level of tenacity and skill sets. But really, we can teach anybody how to do it, right? But if somebody can't come to the party with the right attitude, right, with some common sense um, and really come at it with um, 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 quite a bit of humbleness, I think would be the biggest mm -hmm. biggest thing I see with aviators generally, then it, it, you're going to have a hard road. I mean, that would be, you know, every one of the young folks that I get to talk to, I just talked to a young man from Nashville the other day who's you know, trying to break into our industry a little bit. And, and um, he's, he's not a technician per se, but, um, you know, he's trying to get in, in the business world and, and he's trying to figure out what's next and how to do that. And, and I just keep telling him, look, there's no magic, right, about it. it, it it's, you, you've just got to be, ask good questions. You've just got to be transparent. You got to be honest, you know, um, and you got to have a great attitude. The rest of it is all teachable. 
Right. I so appreciate that you're um, helping the younger generation coming into this industry understand that, because I think that um, when I got into the aviation industry, I didn't quite do things the way that I was supposed to. I would, you know, there's very much that mentality of like I was saying, the metrics and, you know, Mm -hmm. the metric madness and being tied to that. And I would, you know, spend like an hour on the phone with guys coming out of the military and then be like, I'm going to go work for you know a huge MRO or like the commercial airlines and I'm like no listen you got to go to corporate (laughs) that's where that's right that's where you need to go and you know would spend the time educating them versus just trying to get a butt and a seat and that's where the difference is and even on the internal side companies um of maybe not having that understanding per se internally if they Mm -hmm. do not you know on the hiring side of maybe what um, backgrounds could be relevant. Like some of the best guys that I've hired that work on general aviation have only ever been working on helicopters. And so just looking for the attitude, the aptitude and the appetite. And if someone has the appetite for what your business does and you have sold that to them um, properly, they will Mm -hmm. learn your airframe and will work for you the way that you were hoping that they would well it's almost like you're going to you're going to receive what you give i mean it's it's if you're if you're going to invest and i think a lot of us feel that way you know you you've had the mentors you've had the people in your life and and if you know if if you feel like you're investing in them whether it's with knowledge time um expertise you know so you know nathan it's been a while since nathan's probably turned a wrench but at the same time you know if you have a question yesterday nathan's going to get yesterday (laughs) on the lawnmower No, no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, but you know that Nathan Ooh. will get down there and he's going to start, he'll, he'll do it with you, walk you through it and go from there. So, I mean, the, but those are those things that they feel that as, as a new person, and then we're talking about entry level, like entry level, mm. maybe, maybe a little bit of experience, but you know, when those people invest in you, I know that that makes me want to work harder, learn more and invest back into my company. Not, not just, that's, uh, right. that's what I want. I right. want to invest back in the company. Absolutely. And I think with the way that the industry is changing now, I mean, I'm no expert, but I know the time it takes to find an A&P now versus what it took even just a year, two years ago um, of effort, qualitative effort to get that person in the door. Um, Companies have to position themselves to where Instead of this employee is lucky to come work for us, we are lucky that they are coming in, like not they're lucky to come work for us. And that is the change, um, the immediate change that needs to happen and present that. That's how companies can separate themselves is by giving out that employee value proposition. Um, Mm. And especially, as you mentioned earlier, bringing those people to those really difficult um to hire places even more so of understanding that that's just the name of the game and they're going to have to do that to separate themselves yeah you know i i I think too you know you talk about the metrics sarah and i i think you know um, the other thing folks got to do is you know there's a lot of value in grabbing some of this fresh um out of licensure uh, talent and kind of growing your own um, and developing some some skill sets and habits versus these just archaic and, and frankly ridiculous requirements of you've got to have you know seven years in part 145 repair station shop you know and you got to have 14 years of global you know come on now <laughs> you know 5,000 hours in the right seat and before we'll even think about putting you in the left seat I mean Right. That's, that's that's just not where we're at. That's not where our talent's at. That's not where our industry's at. Um, well, it's not good but, for you know, attention. Yeah, for no. sure. And, I mean, yeah, and it won't, right? Because I mean, look, you're you're asking somebody to come to work, you know, and and you're wanting to pay them, you know, at, at a price where they should be at a senior level price, and you've got those levels for an entry level position, you know, these these experiential metrics, right? And it's just, it just doesn't, the math problem just doesn't work. I mean, I, I'm right. in Tennessee right now visiting M- MRO. I have a project here and they are literally starving for talent. 
for technicians, both just straight A&P technicians and for avionics technicians, um, literally starving for it. And I, I had a conversation with a couple of their leadership team today said, look, let's go to some schools. I'll, I'll go kick the door open for you, right? Let's, let's just go to start a little little academy thing. I don't know what, it, what it'll be, but it's important for me, for them to get talent in the door so my things will be on time, on budget, and I can keep my businesses going, right? My customers happy. So, but, you know, as an operator, I would say too, um, that this whole workforce shortage thing is different because as an operator, I'm never going to starve for a technician. Frankly, I'm going to walk into that shop I was in today, looking at them starving for technicians and take the two best ones. I'm going to pay them more than they're making now. They're only going to have one or two airplanes to worry about. Their quality of life is going to be better, right? Um, they may get to go on some pretty cool international trips. And I mean, I'm always going to be able to grab somebody. I'm never even going to have to post a job, right, for that. But the right. MRO is different, right? The charter company is different. Right. And I think that there's a lot to be said in um, companies following through with what they put out as their mm -hmm. um, value proposition. Um yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of things get put out there as this is what you'll have, you know, having a career here and following through with that. Um, there's so many people there will numbers wise, there's not a lot of people, but there are so many people in the industry technicians that are looking to advance and get different experience in different areas. Um, but the way that companies, when they're starving for that, then they need to create internal processes of mm -hmm. how are we going to focus on the people that we have right now? That's your talent right there. How can we give these people more responsibility um, and, you know, help them feel more empowered by helping them, you know, and giving them the opportunity to help and train younger technicians who will then move up into their role and then they'll move up, you know, like a tiered um, system, so to say, and giving your already internal talent more opportunity to grow and then that equals retention. Um, but your idea, uh, you can call me afterwards because I have the same idea in that I think it starts even further than just school of we aren't getting the youth excited um, about the industry and helping them understand. I used to work purely with um, people coming out of the straight out of the military and mm -hmm. it was just dead set commercial or a huge MRO whereas there's all sorts of different facets of the business there's you know air EMS oh. aerial mm -hmm. firefighting like mission oriented things that they can do um oil and there's yeah. uh you know the or corporate if you want to live the good life apparently <laughs> 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 business like helicopters construction all sorts of different things that they're the, the education of helping people understand of what they can actually do in the industry um, could be built upon a little bit more. No, I oh, completely cool. agree with that. Um, I mean, Sarah, how do you measure your, you know, your success rate with the metrics and whatnot? What's a good, you know, the company pats you on the back? Is it just employee retention? They've lasted longer than six months or, you know, how, how do they measure that? I have an incredibly low turnover rate. <laughs> um, yes, uh, they, it depends on, you know, are you coming in as, are you internally hiring for them? Are you giving them contractors? Like that would kind of change the way that they measure it. The way that I see it for my own personal self, how I measure my own success in the business is, am I giving the technician that I'm talking to the compatible fit for them with that company? And am I giving that company the compatible fit for them with that technician? Um, knowing I like to kind of get to know the people that I'm hiring a little bit more in depth. I'm still friends with a lot of them um, and really look at like what they're actually looking for in their lifestyle, family, um, you know, what drives them, what motivates them, where do they want to go? Do they want to, you know, 
maybe they're A and P, maybe they want to dabble more in avionics, get their FCC, maybe they want to get an IA, maybe they want to go into quality um, or a different part of the business. That's where I see success measured is if you are giving an organization, an employee who's going to stay there long-term, grow, see the mission and vision, and really truly believe in that company's culture. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. That's probably like one of the it. best metrics. Yeah. And I mean, like the pay nowadays isn't even really the big thing for hipsters and all them, right? They, <laughs> want, they want the purpose. And I mean, I'm like, so I get it. They want more family time or work from home or, you know, plant trees or whatever it is. It's not necessarily the, which a lot of people in this industry still think it is. Well, you know, they'll switch jobs for a little more pay in a better parking spot was always the joke. It's like, well, right. it used to be like that, but not really that much anymore. I ask um, objectively every single person that I talk to, I always give the range. And I, if companies are not doing this, they need to, they need to post what the pay range is. You will That's save right. so much time in hiring. <laughs> and then even if you have the pay range posted, objectively asking someone, what are you looking for to be here after they under they've looked at the area they understand what your company does they know what their travel schedule is going to be they know what the work-life balance is going to be you still need to ask them objectively because especially everyone is hiring they will go somewhere for somewhere to even out that bar graph of what fits in what they're looking for um if they will leave for it and so asking that's the thing about why recruiters are hired is to ask the difficult questions of because if you would have just gotten the difficult questions out of the way um that person won't leave (laughs) you would know that up front and then 90 days later you're not dealing with having to fill that again right yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, I, there's someone else I follow on LinkedIn, Sarah, that, that I think um, uh, many of us probably know, and, and she, you know, helps coach people with writing resumes, resumes and other things. And, and, you know, she often laments about the, the, the just the, and not necessarily aviation related, but just the painful process, right. Especially for um, some of these positions that they put um, prospective employees through, all the while knowing that, th- that it's a no for, for, for that yeah. candidate. Right. And it's just like, come on, man. Yeah. It's just not genuine. I mean, if it's a no, <laughs> just say that. <laughs> exactly. That's something that I really hone in hard with um, my clients that I work with is creating a very lean hiring process mm. to where I am only giving them one or two of what they want to see resumes that fit yeah. the brack the buckets of what they want to see like for example um i just hired a logs and records technician um for a company and they don't want to see all 40 resumes that apply because a lot of them need to be weeded through and then that's taking the maintenance professionals away from income producing activities Whereas it is my job to give them the answer that they're looking for. And so that's something that just that alone will save the time and the headache of that hiring manager, that director of maintenance or, you know, uh, maintenance manager that doesn't want to be doing that anyways I actually went out and visited (laughs) a company one time and asked I asked the director of maintenance I said why do you need help hiring and he said to be honest with you I just get forwarded every single resume Mm. and I just stop looking at them whereas there needs to be that champion there for them doing that compare and contrast and helping them along to make that decision and, you know, empowering talent acquisition needs to be empowered to know they know what they're doing. They understand what they're doing. Um, And there is, you know, more opportunities that could happen with that of educating um, HR talent acquisition on aviation and helping them understand 
this is what this does. This is this type of aircraft. This is this this engine lives on this many aircraft. Um, like for example, I hire for a company where their aircraft is only in one other place in the United States, but this aircraft also could be comparable to a Dash 8, a Saab, a Dornier, mm -hmm. all of that. Like someone who, a Q400 who has that specific experience could come and be just as well working on their aircraft that no one else has. Oh, that is a rough one, but I think that's great though. But I think you, you know, when it's uh, when you have an HR or recruitment that is disconnected a little bit, it is very hard. And I think maybe, maybe more in like the 91, operations where, you know, HR is a completely different function and the company has a different mission. And so right. they do just forward every, oh, it's an aviation position. I don't know anything about it. I'm just sending it to the aviation department. Nope. Send it to the aviation department. Been there, done that. Exactly. Been there, done that. You know, uh, uh, trying to recruit like a uh, crew chief level or a senior tech level sort of thing and working at a fortune 200 company and literally the, um, staffing department has no idea because it you know not the core business and i get applications from everything from midwives in pakistan to <laughs> you know folks working in maintenance control at ups and none of which are appropriate for the position we're hiring right, right? maybe great people but they're not appropriate for the position that we have available and sarah i liked how you said that it's more about have, finding somebody who's an advocate for that for that aviation department program position um, it's not a filter, it's an advocate because it's somebody who can understand and who can help interpret um, what that is. And, you know, there's so, there's so many things that go into the hiring process. And, you know, I love the fact that, you know, what is that leaner process? I know in one of my past lives, even though you knew after the first interview that the answer is no, right. Could not, could not notify anybody who had been who had submitted an application until the new person had been hired and had started. And we, it was a, and I mean, the company in the company took forever. I mean, it was like months and you're like, you know, and as the person who was screening the calls, do y'all have you hired anybody yet? Well, you right. know, it's still in the process. You know, your boss is in their background saying, no, 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 I'm not taking those calls, but you know, it's not fair to the people. It's not fair to the person hiring you know, the hiring, you know, my boss, you know, he, he felt bad every time he tried to do that. But I think that I like that process, you know, lean, lean the process. If you're not qualified, get it out of the way, go to the next person so they can go to the next position. Right. Well, and that brings up actually um, something that I, that companies, if they sped the process up, would probably see more success in hiring as feedback timeframe. Um, companies, that, you know, you talk about that long process, Lee, of, you know, taking forever to move on something. Well, there's a million open A&P jobs right now. If you are not calling that person back, you know mm -hmm. that they're the right fit and you're not moving right. on that. Someone else will. They're right. gone. And that yep. and even the negative ones, you just need to get that negative feedback out of the way because you're holding right. on and retaining onto that and clouding the process even more. Mm -hmm. um, if people, you know, even like the same thing with rejected offers, maybe candidates get something that's better, fits better for their family in the time still focusing on that immediate feedback with them, building the relationship with them, they will come back and they will be loyal to whoever was their advocate advocate during that process because they received feedback in a timely mm -hmm. manner manner whether it was even if it was negative and that relationship was still built and that will pay dividends back well and I think it's I think part of that process is to keep in mind that the applicant is interviewing the company as much as the company is interviewing the applicant. And when you have an experience like that, it is very hard. I, it better be a lot of money and a lot of vacation time because when you go through something like that, when you start weighing what is my life going to be because this is what I had to go through just to get here. Yeah. I mean, 
there's, there's too many opportunities. You see Andy's over there shaking his head and he's absolutely right. He's like, no, that's not, you know, I can go wait tables. <laughs> I can go yeah, wait tables, make tip of, money. A, go a do week of else. interviews, of panel interviews and presentations right. and, and, mm-hmm. you know, recorded presentations, in-person presentation. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. I still don't know. My favorite sales manager at National Flight that I still hang out with today, he's big shot at Champion Spark Plug Company before that, got into aviation. He interviewed me twice and he said, look, I've already made up my mind, so I'm just waiting on HR and uh, you can't spell who cares without HR. (laughs) (laughs) No. That's cool because I know I got the job. Now I just have to wait, I guess, for the... (laughs) Uh, no, that's really great. And that's like, I love doing that, empowering hiring managers to feel good about their yeah. decisions. I do, I have had instances where, you know, maybe right. that people operation side, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm seeing something from across the field. Mm. There's a red fox running by. You need to be <laughs> careful here. SOS 911 always will share that with them, but really empowering hiring managers to feel good about their decisions and communicate that or if they don't want to be involved in that part that's something that I will take on too is developing that relationship and sharing with someone like at an interview today um, and let her know you know right after the interview the insight because if you think about what it's like when you interview and just kind of sitting there thinking like was that good was it bad what you know what did they think um and giving them a little bit of insight and feedback um right away immediately will just go leaps and bounds with people Yeah, I'm watching some of that fear that, that you're talking about, Lee. I think terrifying is a great word. So so um, my daughter recently wrapped up grad school, right? And she's <laughs> yeah. looking, she's, um, you know, God love her. She's a, she's a teacher, right? And um, she's been going through these interviews and applying. And, and I'm telling you, it's, it's exactly that. It, it's just this never-ending waiting thing. And in some cases, you know, they, to your point, they already know you know, that it's a gnat or you're, you know, going to the next round, but we've got to drag it out for a month or whatever. At least. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the metric is just to say anything. If we say anything, that's the other crazy thing. So Sarah, I, I've been wanting to ask you this for a long time. So is it normal or are we finally over the hump that if, if, if a candidate is not somebody that we're going to pick that we've interviewed, do we just continue to ignore them? Right. And we don't respond at all. I mean, I work for a, a large fortune 200 company and that's, that was the MO. If, if, if the four of us were in the interview pool and it got down to you and Andy, Lee and I never even got a phone call. We wouldn't even know about it until we saw your LinkedIn profile update yeah. that you were the chosen one. Right. right. So is that still the thing? Not if I have anything to say about it. Not with companies I work for. I will say that uh, recruiters are very overwhelmed. Um, There is Mm -hmm. kind of a... Sometimes they get a little bit of a negative rap for the ghosting and all of that. I can't speak to everyone's processes. I know that over time, um, I have gotten better with that. It's like a muscle. You work it. The more and more you work it. Recruiters are very overwhelmed. But what I learned over time is as I hired more and more people going from like five to 10 to, you know, 50 to hundreds, that what paid back more was giving the respect and that came Mm. back. Um, And I have had lots of candidates who have kind of, you know, followed me around or been loyal and things like that. And so if I had anything to say with it, say about it, no, but I do believe it is still a practice that happens um, because of the pure overwhelm and companies not developing their own internal hiring initiatives. And like, this is our mission and values with hiring and how we are going to treat this every single time moving forward from here out. And it just takes a little bit of time of, you know, understanding their culture 
what they're actually looking for in people. And then it gets easier the more you start putting it into practice. Um, and go ahead. So Sarah, so Sarah, thinking about, you know, you're talking about like the culture and we talk about, you know, the world has changed so much. And, you know, Andy, Andy's whole company is based on this, this idea of transparency and being able to get that information. And, you know, that's, that's just a reflection of how people act now and their expectations, whether it's in aviation, your bank, whatever, you know, it doesn't really matter. That's how we want that transparency. We want the information, you know, I don't, I don't need the fluffy feel good stuff all the time. I just want the information, Mm -hmm. but do you think that part of the, do you think that some of this transparency kind of with the cultural shift is kind of, you, do you see things kind of overall changing? Now I understand big companies with big bureaucracies, it's, it's hard to, it is hard to change that, but you know, with um, repair stations, different things like that. I mean, this is an opportunity to start really kind of shifting that culture. And, and honestly, I mean, if I owned a repair station that wasn't doing a lot of hiring or a, a, or a charter or something like that, I would almost embrace somebody that that's your, that is your job and your focus, because that would take the pressure off of me mm-hmm. off of having to, because that's not, that's not what I do. It's mm-hmm. not right. what I do. So, and I don't right. want to be that person who's, you know, dampening somebody's dreams because they don't ever hear back because you know, not everybody can bounce back from a lot of rejection. And if all you're getting is ghosting and rejected over and over again, I'm going to go somewhere else where they're going to either, where they're going to treat me right. And that might be the oil and gas company. It might be Walt Disney World. It might be, who knows? Exactly. Well, and um, like, for example, I just, uh, I, and sometimes the thing is too, is that sometimes we just don't have the answer. And that's sometimes why um, you don't hear back as well too, is because we don't, even have an answer. Um, you see that a lot in third party situations, um, not as much internally because you can walk right into that person's office and say, you tell me right now, <laughs> yes or no. And so sometimes there isn't an answer, but also, you know, really listening to what people are actually looking for is, you know, it's, it's all about what are, you know, us as a company, what do we want in our people? But have you ever stopped to think that what is that person looking for in their life? Because Mm -hmm. them coming to work at your company is how they're going to live. That's their livelihood. Um, And so really listening to what that person wants. Like, for example, I had a gentleman, super great guy. I was talking to him. He's over in Afghanistan right now, was interested in a company that I work with. But asking him objectively, you know, like, what are you looking for for your family? Like, what are you looking for for a salary? All of that. I knew that it wasn't the right time for him to join that company because they weren't going to offer. They needed somebody real bad and he was ready, but they didn't. They weren't compatible and they didn't line up exactly. And so really being true to the people that you're talking to and true to the culture of your company will bring you the right people and get that really low turnover rate, get those people retained and, you know, make them want, I heard a really great saying the other day, and I'm going to say it again, make them want to ride for your brand. Right, right on. Ride for the right brand. On. Yep. No, I think that's a great, I think that's a great point, Sarah. And I think, you know, I, I always tell people, you you know, we were talking about like interviews and they're terrifying. And I can think of, you know, Nathan's daughters out there, you know, this is maybe not her first interview, but it's her, it's the beginning of her career. First big girl side. It's, for sure. you know, yeah. And it's, but you know, it's one of those things that the more you do, the better you get. And, you know, I always say, well, you don't have to make a decision until you get offered the job. Right, <laughs> you might yeah. as well go on the interview because <sighs> unless you practice, it's going to, it's, it's, you know, what is it going to do? But then it's also, exactly. you know, but it's also getting matched up with the right person if you are going through a recruiter, because, you know, if you're in transportation and logistics, aviation, railroad, whatever it is, a lot of times there's going to be some type of recruiting element and yeah. that can really impact. But I think trajectory. it's a two way street too, Lee. Right. So, I mean, look, just like we, we, I expect, you know, the company or the recruiter to say, Hey, you know, not a great fit, not oh, going to yeah. be you, you know, move on. Look, if you know you never or ever gonna go to work for whatever company, 
then don't, don't waste anybody's time and don't waste their money. Completely and agree. We, right. You know, reputation's all you got. So um, no, and I mean, think and about so, that. so to that, so that point, Nathan, so there were, ju- there were positions over my career that I thought mm-hmm. I wanted. And there were companies that I, you know, that I thought I might want to work for. But as I went through the process, a lot of what Sarah's saying, I realized that either one, the company wasn't a fit. Yeah. Or that, you know, it really made me start thinking about what was the direction and trajectory of where I wanted to go. Sure. Exactly. So, well, something that I always say to just something to think about with that, especially through, you know, when you're making big changes or say you're even a new technician or, you know, moving from one side of the business to maybe like a more mission oriented side of the business what is meant for you will not pass you by. And Mm. I have a really great story that goes along with that. I have a a candidate, really, really great friend. Um, Now we've stayed in touch over the years, but he was dead set on one specific company. He's like, I don't want to look anywhere else, nowhere else. (laughs) This is it. And I just Mm -hmm. told him, I said, you know, Matt, have you ever maybe thought about uh, corporate aviation? And he's like, no, no, they're no, not interested. Business jets, no way. This is all I want to do. Mission driven. He's a veteran. He's like only mission. Mm-hmm. Um, in this company, they, they would not give him the time of day. Yeah. He didn't have enough experience. And I pushed and pushed. And, you know, it was about two months later. I'm like, Matt, they are not going to interview you. Please just consider corporate aviation. And he was like, fine, I will do the interview. And now he has progressed on to be a a manager in a management position. He's not that far removed from separating from the military. And it just always go on the interview that will take you and seize the value in what you have to offer because mm-hmm. what's meant for you will not pass you by. And now he's obsessed with business aviation and owes his career right. to me. Yeah. And owes his career to me. Right. There you go, Sarah. Absolutely. <laughs> take credit. Take credit for it. You should. And you know what? I would absolutely take credit for it. So that because those are the stories, those are the stories you love to hear. And that that's where it goes. And you know, when I worked with um, student advisement many years ago, you know, you could kind of kind of like you were telling, you know, there were, there were people that you could almost see we would fit in different, different areas of the industry. And, you know, you wanted them to fit there, but it was like, no, I'm going to work for American airlines. Okay. Well, American airlines isn't hiring. So what are you going to do? You know, it's, well, I'm going to go work for American airlines. (laughs) Okay. Hunt, what do you not understand about this? American airlines is not hiring maintenance technicians. You can go be a bag baggage person, but they're not hiring tech. (laughs) Well, then right. I'm like, okay, you know, we only live, I only live in the DFW area where you can do anything in aviation you essentially want to do. That's true. Anything. There's, what do you want to do? We can find a place for you. But um, I think that that's, you know, that's a great point is sometimes it takes a person to kind of help guide you, educate you, and just open your eyes to what some of those opportunities might be. Right. I've seen that a lot working in the aerial firefighting space the last two years. Well, it's about almost three years now. Um, And, you know, it's, it's such a niche area of the business that, um, you know, a lot of technicians don't even know that it exists and um, helping them see that, you know, what they're actually doing in more of a mission oriented mm-hmm. sense of helping the people on the ground, helping save homes and things like that. And sometimes it's just, if we slow down and really take the time to educate um, people on our business versus just expecting them to know, I think that mentality of people need to come in and have researched our company and know all these things, that's really changing and shifting in the industry because quite honestly, we're having to fight for every single hire. And to come away from that is just slowing down and taking the time to really educate the people that you are interviewing and bringing into the process and helping them see, you know, this is the benefit of being here. This is what you are working towards and here's how we would be benefited by you coming to work for us. Mm. Mm. I want to go 
fight fires now. I mean, Sarah, Sarah just sold me. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I can do this. I can do something. I don't know what, but I can do something. But I, but that's but that's that. You know, and I think you know when we talk about business aviation, corporate aviation, it's very easy to get stuck in the, uh, you know, this the sleek, sexy music video lifestyle, yeah. whatever reality world. But at the re- but the root of it is, you know, Andy with his Myers, and we use that all the time. That's business aviation. You know, it's, absolutely. There's so many mission focused aspects to it, and when you start talking to it, and they're like, "Oh, I didn't, I never thought about that." And you're like, "Well, yeah." There's what do you want to do especially if you're passionate about something then I think you touched on a big piece of it you know and Andy said something about you know whether you're planting trees but there's there's a place in there where that can fit and you can help that mission going through and it may not be it may be location you know it might be you know maybe there's a you know whatever that there might be something flying turtles Flying turtles, turtles fly too. We had that the other day. Yeah, yeah. So you know, right. you could be down on the coast, and maybe you're working for one organization, but you're able to volunteer and help with the turtles fly too. So I mean, there's ways that you can work this around to where you can meet the needs of your employer, meet the needs of yourself, and go from there. So now I love that perspective, Sarah. I mean, okay, I do have to ask you. Mm-hmm. I have to. We got to have a horror story in here. Oh, what? Would, oh, I, I got to have one. I mean, come on, Sarah. Sarah gets pretty pretty opinionated sometimes on her LinkedIn. I know she has one because you can tell some of these things that she replies. It's like, you've had, what's a, give give us a horror story. Okay. Um, are we talking on the candidate side or I don't know which, which company one? side? Maybe There's... one that has a little humor in it. Cause if I, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to cry, but you know, I do like to laugh. Okay. Um, the, the thing about being in the business of people is that they're the most predictable things, but they're also the most unpredictable. People things. are weird critters. They I mean, are aren't real they all weird. Just like horses or either mules. They're pretty predictable. People right. are not. Um, I, and you know, we can't ever, no one's batting a thousand in hiring. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but you do get better over time. Um, when I first, uh, started, I've, you know, I've had some stories about, um, one time I thought that this gentleman is cause I used to work in like heavy contract recruiting with like big companies like Bombardier and things like that. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that's just anybody who can like get there by Sunday. And sure. so, um, I had this one gentleman who we'd been talking for like a couple months and I was a hundred percent convinced he kept bringing up like, um, uh, this lady named Ruby and I was a hundred percent convinced he was talking about his girlfriend or wife or something like that. He was not, he was talking about, uh, his motorcycle and proceeded (laughs) to send me like photos of him, like lying on the motorcycle of like, check me out, check it out with me and Ruby. (laughs) Um, I've, I've had somebody who drove like stalker situations um you know all sorts of stalker interest- and you were stalking the company <laughs> um well no I had a, actually had a candidate who drove six hours up to uh an office where I was working because I did not uh answer the phone after he had been like let go from a position so there's all sorts of crazy uh, oh my gosh yeah crazy. yeah just crazy you can stop uh-huh. right there that's perfect oh my all sorts of crazy what oh does it take all kinds of kinds all <laughs> kinds of kinds people are weird critters i'm telling you people are weird mm-hmm. critters. but that's so, why you get sarah to help filter them out so nathan you didn't have to deal with the weird critter oh you still have to deal with them right because yeah, nice so so Sarah, don't be mad at me for saying this, but it never gets better than the interview day. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> well, actually, I did hear um, on a previous episode, uh, I forget the gentleman's Uh-oh. name, but he did say, you know, some of the best interviews have always have turned out the worst and the worst interviews have turned out the best. I will agree with Same that 100%. Aircraft mechanics are not trained to interview they are trained Mm. to fix aircraft um and that's thank you sarah i used to have this saying all the time that uh you know aircraft mechanic i would say to my boss i'd be like you know aircraft mechanics and microsoft word (laughs) yeah Uh, 
<laughs> well, but the, you know, so my thing is pilots can't add and mechanics can't spell. So no. there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, you're looking at somebody who has fun reading regulations and is traditionally an introvert. I mean, yeah, they want right. to work on things. They don't want to work with people. Exactly. And you can develop those, but initially, exactly. you know, that's what attracts them to what they're doing. And yeah. The interview should be more focused on why do they, why, obviously, you know, focus on the technical portions that can be done through references and things like that, mm -hmm. like true references. Like you can easily find out who's the DOM of the previous companies that they worked at. Um, like true references can hash out the technical skills. You can see that mm -hmm. on maybe like a working interview but the real thing to interview for is more so like why do they want to be in the area um how will they mesh with like your current workforce and where do they see the future of them working there not you can't they're not gonna give you out some you know uh scripted professional um broadcasted interview that would be a little mm -hmm. suspicious uh, yeah. I like the, uh, <clears throat> I believe strongly personally in the uh, go out to, you know, go out to launch and you extend the interview for a really long time. And just so that you, that you can only fake it for so long. When you're <laughs> interview, right. And it was, uh, I right. took out a potential person with my favorite sales director and with the owner of the company who was in his seventies. And this guy, we ordered calamari appetizer. I'll never forget this either. And it comes and without even asking, he squeezes lemon all over the calamari without asking anybody if they like lemon. That was it. The owner was like, you didn't even ask like if, if we wanted lemon on that to share end of the interview could have been like he interviewed great, but that just what, those little things like, was that, it the and, end or did, did, did you guys leave him on the hook through? Uh, no, it was the end. It was the, the owner was there. He was, was done. He was, yeah. You messed up his calamari, Nathan. I actually could probably wow. relate to that. You know, don't you know, jack with my food. Well, it's like the drink <laughs> that Nathan gave you that you didn't like. Like, if oh, limoncello, that was awful. Yeah, it's delicious. God, I still make faces just thinking about that. Ugh. <laughs> he probably wouldn't have hired me either. That would be like my natural reflex as well, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, Sarah. So, Sarah. Um, you know. You, it seems like you've done a lot with like different veterans groups, different things. I think, you know, transitioning military, you have a lot of experience with that. And, you know, there's, there's just so many people coming from so many different directions right now. Where do you see most of the new hires coming from or the people who are interested in the aviation industry? Yes, absolutely. I think that um, there is a huge presence um, coming from military veterans. And there's uh, people like you had Jose on here, mm -hmm. um, who is help who helps them understand the way that I see it is if you're spending five, six years of your life working on aircraft, why would you not go out and do that? If that's something that you're passionate about, sure. instead of starting over, you could start. And I think a lot of um, companies are really starting to realize the value of veterans. I've worked for a company in the past called Veterans Alliance, who they really aim to educate on how veterans can enhance your workforce um, and bringing, you know, helping companies understand that just because someone, you know, worked on the military version of this aircraft doesn't mean that they can't work on the civilian, um, version. Um, mm -hmm. and so I see a lot coming from the military transitioning there. And then I think that also I've seen a lot because of the popularity of just the pay scale in the aviation industry and people really starting to see that. I think there's a real opportunity. Um, and this is what I was mentioning to you, Nathan, there is a real mm -hmm. opportunity in going out to high schools and presenting yeah. to high schoolers to understand what they are actually capable of doing in the aviation industry with just two years of school coming right. in as an AMP mechanic or an avionics technician. I think that, you know, when we think aviation, especially as a young kid, we just think commercial or the things flying in the sky, or like if my dad was a pilot or whatever, um, right. that type of thing, they don't actually see on a chart. This is the expected income. If you are in this type of aviation, you can go mm -hmm. like, for example, in aerial firefighting, a lot of the people who have gone into this, um, say I've gotten someone straight out of AMP school 
um, they're like, you know, I always wanted to be a firefighter as a kid. And that's marrying the two things together. I think there's sure. a big opportunity in going to our high school um, age kids and teaching them the actual potential of this industry and finance, sales, um, marketing, mm-hmm. all sorts of different opportunities in this industry. And I think that that's in the future where they're going to come from having your own podcast that people keep listening to for some reason. You never know. And people like great people like Sarah keep agreeing to come on. I, you know, I never, yeah, right. I never quite know what to expect. They're excited um, about it. They're not even, they're not agreeing. They're actually excited. I know that was great. But you know, I think that Sarah bring, I love talking to people who are, you know, we have a lot of people who are on the technical side of it, you know, pilots, technicians, and, but you know, there's a whole support network around all of the pilots and technicians that get them to where they're going to what they're doing. And, Mm. you know, I would tell people, they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to be a pilot. Well, I'm like, you know, all aviation is law, Mm -hmm. right? You want to be a lawyer? There's aviation law, you know, and exactly what you're saying, finance, sales, marketing, HR, talent. I mean, there's everything can come back and it's a, it's an industry that golly, you know, kind of Sarah, you know, I ended up here on accident too. And my gosh, I guess I'm stuck here (laughs) 20 years. I don't think I'm leaving yet. So, but I think it's all that support that goes around it, but it's because you want to see the people succeed in the positions and where they're going. Right. In HR terms, we call that mission critical versus pivotal position. So like pilots, mechanics, they're mission critical. The business cannot move forward without them. If you can't fly the plane, if you can't fix the down plane, we can't move forward. And pivotal positions is more like that sales, marketing, HR, finance, customer service. Um, And that is really what helps keep the business in business. And we can't be successful. A company can't be successful if they're not focusing on both building up not only their mission critical jobs, but also their pivotal jobs as well, too. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think it's exactly right. Sarah, you've got to tell folks. So aside from LinkedIn, how can people connect with you if they want to learn more? I mean, I, I, I know that, you know, we do have a few folks listening that, um, are new to aviation and trying to figure out where to go, what to do, and are always looking for um, some coaching on, on, you know, where to proceed. And then look, I, I think Andy and I both could give you a list of shops as long as our leg that um, need <laughs> some technicians. So, um, you know, I, I think, uh, how will people find you? Yes. So the number one way to find me is on LinkedIn. I do run most of everything uh, that I do through LinkedIn and I am a complete open book. Um, I will give someone my personal phone number, text them, call them, whatever they need. If they just need someone to talk to resume help, which like I said, aircraft mechanics and Microsoft word. I I run everything through LinkedIn and then branch out from there. Like my personal phone number is on there. My personal email is on there. I've never turned someone away who's reached out to me. Awesome. Yeah. Even Ruby. (laughs) So the, so the link will be in the show notes for Sarah's uh, LinkedIn page for you guys that are and gals that are um, trying to figure out what to do next. And you know what, you don't have to be new. You could be somebody who's been in it for a minute, but hasn't um, interviewed in a while and because the landscape's really different. So if you haven't interviewed in a while or haven't had to do some interviewing in a while, you might want to just uh, send a little uh, friendly a note little to our friend up. Sarah. Just get a little, little tune up. I'd be happy to help. And um, I'm actually, I'm wrapping up a project now. So I am um, open to working with uh, new companies as well too nice. um, at this time. Great. Awesome. Well, I think Andy and I, again, got a list of folks for you, right? I mean, (laughs) the shops we talk to all the time are always looking for talent. So um, it's it's a never ending thing. But I also real quick as we're wrapping up, but I also think they're looking if they can find that partner in the process that you can, that you can count on, Mm -hmm. you know, the same way you're looking for the technician or the shop that you can count on when you're having, when you're in a place, in a bind, you know, it's, it's building up those pivotal positions that help you out 
and, you know, that's finding that relationship that you can count on. So, you know, that's, those are the things that Sarah brings to the table as well. Better than the big, everybody we talk to is like, yeah, I've tried the bigger recruiting companies and you know why don't you guys at why don't you help me out andy like that i can pass them off to so that's the great here we go well and that we brought it we brought it full circle andy because that's actually using that you are at the mercy of metrics and so mm-hmm. there's a real more like fundamental issue there rather than just we need technicians in the door there's more things that can be happening on the internal side to just be able to become autonomous as a company to do that and move forward right right Right. i like it absolutely sarah thank you very much for joining us um tonight i really appreciate it and i think that you know clearly your passion for for trying to bring quality talent into this um, industry and and really setting expectations, I think, on both sides of the coin. Uh, That's something that I very much admire about you, and we appreciate you for doing that. We'll have to have you back sometime before too much longer. I I would love to hear about what's next and kind of where where this goes, you know, as we continue to roll out of this pandemic thing and and get back to whatever normal is. You know, it'd be great to check in. Maybe we'll have a a workforce development panel someday and, and trick you into being a part of that or something. So <laughs> we'll just stick it on a calendar. Much. Yeah, that's love right. To. We'll stick it on a calendar at the right time, Holly. I don't but ever anyway, decline uh, an invitation <laughs> for we'll a good time. Cal- oh, yeah, we'll stick it on the calendar at the right time. But anyway, um, enough about that. So, uh, um, Sarah, thanks again, guys that are listening and gals. We really appreciate y'all. I mean, seriously. Um, we're almost at a one-year anniversary, and um, you know we started doing this because we were bored during COVID, and then here we are a year later. You know, you guys have downloaded the stuff almost 2,800 times as of today. Before we've got Sarah's out there, of course, that'll skyrocket um, because she'll she'll have a great following of people to add to it. If you have show ideas, um, if you have some feedback for us, you can always DM all three of us on LinkedIn anytime, or you can leave a voice message on the anchor um, page for the Jet Blast podcast. So, Sarah, thanks again. We really appreciate it. Um, We'll be talking to you very soon. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate it.